0: All right, Q, let's close it out on this one. What is the biggest misconception that CI folks have about sellers?
1: Adam, I had a better answer for the other question that you were going to (laughs) ask. Can I answer Andy's question? All right, we'll run it back.
0: We'll run it back. I'll go go like this. I'll run it back. Okay. All right, Q, close it out. Same question for you. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today I was joined by two recurring guests and two of my favorites Andy McCotter Bittnell, the head of competitive intelligence at ClickUp, and Clue's own account executive. Kaim Narani joined me on the podcast. In today's episode, as you can probably guess from the title, we get into what it takes to enable your more seasoned sellers with competitive intel. In today's markets, your is probably onboarding fewer sellers overall, which means as a compete expert, less time spent ramping less experienced sellers on the competitive landscape and those high-level value props and differentiators that you have amongst your key competitors, but it also presents an opportunity to spend more time hands-on with more experienced sellers and helping them win those neck and neck deals that are, frankly, strategically and financially more critical for your business. So, what do veteran sellers need in those high-leverage deals, and how should Compete Pros enable them with the content and support they need? Well, we're gonna get into all of it including the bottom-of-funnel content that Andy uses to help his experienced reps close deals, why Q and Chloe's as a whole look forward to the competitive Intel Digest every single Thursday courtesy of our own compete manager, Brandon Bedford, what Andy would do with 10x the budget dedicated to his compete function, and why sellers and compete pros are both guilty of not providing enough context for one another. A quick little reminder before we get into the episode that registration for Compete Week 2022 hosted by Clue is now open. You can head to CompeteWeek.com and save your spot. I'm so excited to close out the year with Compete Week. We've got four days packed with tactical sessions, live roundtables, and hands-on workshops where you can connect and learn from your peers and some of the best voices in compete including some of the biggest brands like adobe dell shopify slack and plenty plenty more i'm not just saying this i'm so 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 excited for this there's been a lot of effort behind the scenes from the clue team and a lot of these awesome compete experts we brought into the fold and i can't wait to share what we've been working on with you all. All right, with that all said, let's get into today's episode with Q and Andy. All right, today I am joined by two recurring guests and friends of the podcast. We have Andy McCarter Bicknell, the head of competitive intelligence at ClickUp, and is it professor, lecturer? What do I call you? The the man behind competitive intelligence 201 course thank you so much for joining me
2: thanks it's always good to be here
0: and i'm also joined by clue's very own kayam Narani, an ae here and the person who i listen to on one and a half speed gong calls while i have my breakfast so thank you for joining me today and joining me while i had bacon eggs this morning q
1: Oh, man, I'm sure you got better things to do than listen to me during your breakfast, but I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> never, never. All right, let's 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 jump right into what we want to talk about today. We're getting into how competitive experts can support more veteran, more seasoned sellers to win more deals. Andy, I want to start with you because you spent your career so far in Compete at ZoomInfo and ClickUp and they've both gone through considerable growth. I think they're both in these highly competitive and growing landscapes. When you look at sort of tech the past five years, there's been like this kind of hockey stick level of growth across the board. So when you look back at your career so far, how much of your time has been geared towards ramping new sellers, getting them up to speed compared to working with those more veteran sellers?
2: Mm. At Zoom info, I was working well we did very hands-on new hire training and so i mean with zoom info we were hiring sdrs like crazy like every couple weeks i mean there'd be like you know a dozen new sdrs or someone that was coming in like on the csm side or something like that and so you know i had a very specific kind of talk track and and training that I would be working with. And, and I, I thought that was great too, just because it got me the opportunity right in the very beginning to get in front of new sellers as they were kind of getting to know ZoomInfo, getting to know the sales intelligence uh, category. Like they were already, like I was planting the seed of, okay, here's ZoomInfo's positioning, how we compare to other competitors in the market. And it just kind of, it helped them like get up to speed with who else was out there in our differentiation with ClickUp? We we because we're a product led growth company, there isn't as much of like an emphasis on just hiring a ton of SDRs all the time. I mean, like we we are hiring like crazy, but it's just not as rolling and consistent as it was at Zoom Info. But th- with that said, like I do spend a ton of time working one on one with a lot of sellers. But I would say that it's more on the enterprise and strategic side. At ClickUp compared to how it was with Zoom Info. And my guess as to why that is, is because there's a lot more of an emphasis at ClickUp right now on getting past that kind of like startup SMB kind of customer and trying to figure out, like, okay, what, where is our positioning and uh, how can we fit in specifically like with mid market and enterprise companies? And so we need to be a bit more hands on from a competitive perspective because there's a lot more legacy. Competitors in that space that are already kind of entrenched within that segment. And so I've been working a lot more closely with like enterprise uh, AEs at
0: ClickUp. So something that came up on actually our management call. So Jody, our revenue enablement coach, was trying, and it was sort of around a management aspect. But I think it also applies to compete where oftentimes managers spend a lot of time trying to bring up the low performers to A midpoint or an acceptable performance and oftentimes that's that comes at the expense of maybe your your middle performers or your higher performers and i don't want to mix up like experience with with like quality but your more seasoned sellers are probably handling bigger deals more strategic deals like you mentioned and so oftentimes when there's a focus on that like a lot of ramping there is that necessity but it can come at the expense of more enablement for those senior sellers if you look at kind of the market today where hiring isn't happening at quite the same rate there's probably i'm sure there's less in the pipeline so there's more there's more competitive deals and there's more emphasis to close what you have in your pipeline today which kind of brings me to q because you're you're the seller that andy's talking about right now i think you're the longest tenured active seller at clue is that right
1: uh there's probably a couple folks who've been here for a little bit longer than me but yeah probably one of the top ones for sure
0: And I know that you still use competitive Intel frequently. I mean, in fact, I was just kind of like looking through some of your deals and like, you've tagged in our own compete manager on deal support for like, I don't know, like almost like a hundred k pipeline the past few weeks. Can you walk me through what your needs were the first six months on the job and how they've evolved over time?
1: I love competitive deals and competitive conversations because every time I'm in a situation Where I'm battling for business against a competitor, the deal is moving faster, there's a higher chance that it's actually going somewhere. So I encourage that, I love that. And when I first started selling as a a new AE, it was kind of just trying to figure out what are those talk tracks that I can leverage in conversation that are gonna help me differentiate, help me handle objections, ask good questions. So it was really just a matter of understanding what those talk tracks were. And then nailing those down so i could speak to those really easily without having to think about it once i got to that stage i can now think on the fly i have those talk tracks they're going to come out of me naturally so i can adjust them based on the conversation oh prospect said this so i'm going to adjust my talk track this way or you mentioned this so i'm going to adjust my talk track this way it was really a matter of getting comfortable with the talk tracks and then being able to think on the fly um, was was really the most important thing to me when i was first getting started and learning how to sell against competitors at clue
2: I think that like what you're mentioning there makes a lot of sense too. And just that, um, you know, when I'm typically thinking about creating a competitive program from scratch, I'm usually thinking about creating those like high level kind of talk tracks and trying to create some of those more like foot in the door kind of, um, kind of points that really make more sense than like the very like nitty gritty side of things, because that's going to really enable the most people right off the bat. And then, as you like scale into like those like more like six month plus tenured um, sellers, and that's when you know things need to get a bit more granular and strategic and almost like one to one. But you almost like graduate to that point as a CI specialist as well. You know, like in the very beginning, you you start off just like the sellers by kind of figuring out like these very high level differentiating points. You can't just like jump in. And start talking about like really like granular feature comparisons like what that means in the long run and like all these kind of like landmine questions that are super nitty-gritty it just doesn't work like that you have to have like this high level positioning like really understood and and nailed down um, before getting to that that point where you can support enterprise and strategic sellers and so there's a similarity there for sure between the ci specialists who they're serving and and the and the sellers and their own like progression from SDR to maybe SMB AE to enterprise and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think Andy, like I think that's really natural too, right? Because even those enterprise sellers, when they're early in conversation and having their first few conversations with a prospective client, they're not digging into the weeds and leveraging all those like highly contextual competitive tidbits that you're putting together. They're using that high-level information just to help the conversation flow right and it's naturally going to flow to a place where things get more competitive things get a little bit more scrutinized and that's when those in the weeds kind of competitive insights like customer stories or reinforcement points are really really helpful but you it's it's natural for you to start with the high level stuff because that's what your sellers need and they're never going to even get to the stage in the cycle where they could use that more contextual competitive stuff if they don't have that in the first place so Um, I think it's important for new AEs that are onboarding. It's definitely important for educated sellers because they're always in those early stage conversations that warrant that type of insight. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: there was. uh, I was talking with Chris Orlov, so he was. um, He was like one of the first few hires over at Gong, like uh, you know, like so maybe five six years ago. He went into product marketing then went back into sales and he ended up being uh like one of their sales leaders for um uh for for new products now he's going off and doing his own thing i was talking with him about this kind of this kind of this exact same topic of like okay like when do because he was he's very specific into talking about like the questions that you can ask your prospects in order to paint your competitors potentially in a in a, at a disadvantage compared to your solution, rigging the game is how he is how he called it, and um, we were talking a little bit. Like it reminded me of landmine questions, which you know naturally sow seeds of doubt in your in your prospect or your client's mind about the competitor without you naturally having to like say like this is the weakness. And uh, he was saying how like landmine questions are great, but save those until like further down in the buying cycle. And instead, like start out with more targeted questions, which paint your solution like really, really highly. And it becomes a part of the buying criteria, things that only your product solves. And then as you go like further down, like the sales cycle, then you can ask more like landmine questions, very targeted ones specifically about a competitor that you know that they can't really solve things like that. And it just kind of reminded me like, okay, like the landmine questions, that's a great kind of uh, of example of like competitive intel that you probably don't need to know when you're first starting out in, as a CI professional. Just being like really solid with maybe those targeted questions at first, really understanding like the differentiators within your own product and being able to frame them in a targeted question like that, I think is great. But then like level two kind of down the road is kind of creating those landmine questions for your competitors. And so anyway, I thought that that was like a really cool way of kind of pivoting from that early CI specialist to later on down the road when you're a bit more advanced and you can help those more enterprise or strategic AEs.
1: And you know, it just reminds me a lot of like the concept of a value edge which we talk about a lot at Clue, right? And it's like what's, what what is your product solve What do your competitors' products solve? And what are your buyers' needs? And really at the beginning stages of a conversation, you want to focus on the buyer, right? It's all about the customer. It's not about the competitors. You're trying to understand what their needs are, what their problems are, and trying to position your solution as one that uniquely solves their problem, right? And that other side of that value edge, which is what the competitor solves, is almost on your mind, but not something you're speaking about. But as you get further down in the cycle, that's when you need to reinforce those differentiators by leveraging things like landmines that are going to help your prospect ultimately identify who the best partner is for them right so i love what you're thinking about focus on the customer first focus on their needs focus on how you can solve that and then think about how you can leverage competitive to further and reinforce that those points that you're you're trying to make there i love that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's almost like a crawl, walk, run, right? You can't just go straight to running. It's not going to make sense on the on the buyer's end. It's also not going to make sense on your own end as you're kind of building out this compete program. Uh, Andy, that's such a good point you make around how you, you yourself are learning as a person in compete, those foundational pillars. And then you're probably going to hear more reps in the field work on sort of what those landmine questions are. And you can start to like, that's how you evolve that line of questioning. Let's get to let's get to this kind of more nuanced intel, some of the specifics, some of the things that you're doing, Andy, and that you do Q on these bigger, more complex deals. I think there's two sides I want to get to as well is there's still probably deliverables content that you're producing for them. And then there's gonna be more of that like strategic deal support side. Um Andy, let's let's get tactical. Can you tell me about a time where you've produced a piece of compete content? That had significantly higher adoption amongst your senior sellers. So something that's not that high level battle card overview.
2: Yeah, yeah. We actually just rolled out um, this kind of new type of asset. It's, we call it technical feature comparisons. Even though, like, in, when I think of compa- like feature comparison, I literally think of a table. But it's so much more in depth than that. It's literally like a, a ClickUp doc where you know it gives you like the top three reasons why why ClickUp or why customers would choose clickup compared to whatever competitors that we're focusing on. And then the the thing with clickup docs that's really cool. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of shilling clickup right now, but like we, you know, we we drink our own champagne, so like you got to bear with me on this. So the cool thing about clickup docs is you can like jump into like specific subpages uh within like a parent page and so on that top level, you have this kind of you know top three reasons why, which anybody can really read and be like, oh, okay, here are the differentiators. But then as you dive deeper into the asset, you get kind of deeper into some of the more technical details about like what we have versus what the competitor doesn't have and why it's important. And so we have it split up by kind of different categories of jobs to be done that most of our customers um, are interested in, like collaboration or agile development Those kinds of things that kind of project management, things that come into, you know, our category quite a bit. And then we'll dive into specifically how we help that job to be done. And, you know, there will be some like feature comparison tables, but then, you know, we we get a lot more granular into why each of those rows of features can help you. That, in addition to that, we'll have like sub pages for proof points, case studies of when we've. Uh, taking a customer from one of those competitors, what those customers think of us, those kinds of things. It's like a one-stop shop of everything that you might need for a competitive play. It's been really, really helpful just for kind of like that super bottom of the funnel. Like, okay, everything's been said and done. I've pitched, uh, we've demoed, and now here's just kind of like this like grand like document of all the things that's actually really fun to look through. Like you can kind of choose your own adventure style of the stuff that you're interested in digging into, depending on who you are at the company. You could be above the line or like an executive, or you could be below the line, like a user level and really kind of just understanding from a high level why ClickUp is better than a competitor. So we've created these docs. They're very time intensive to build them out, but gotten a ton of usage from our more like enterprise strategic reps who need some help on like the bottom of funnel part of their opportunity. And so that's been like the big thing that I've been working on lately.
0: What has, um, what's resonated most amongst your sellers when they use it? Has there been some feedback that you've gotten? That's kind of been that light bulb moment. Like this is something that is worth pursuing and worth putting and investing that sort of time and resources into
2: so it's really it's really, really great when it comes to like having one asset that can speak to just about anybody that you are like dealing with. Like in a lot of cases, maybe the technical buyer that you're having that immediate conversation with, they're gonna like they're gonna enjoy just about everything within that document. It'll be perfect for them to go and take it to like their boss who might actually be the person signing off on the on the deal. Um, when they give it to their boss, their boss probably isn't gonna be looking at every single one of those pages. They'll really probably look at the top page. They'll get like the top three reasons why people choose ClickUp and they'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, But they'll have the option to look through like additional assets as well. Really the reason why we put this together is because there's a ton of individual assets that competitive Intel specialists put together, you know, just throughout like a year, you know, data sheets, case studies, all these kinds of things. This is kind of like the culmination of everything so that instead of drowning in random PDFs, you know, you have one document that really has everything, but it might overwhelm somebody at the very beginning of like a, of a buying cycle. You know, you, you talk to somebody, have one conversation and then they send you like this massive documents like, whoa, OK, like I don't like I didn't ask for this, but I guess I'll take it. You know, it might turn some people off, but it's, it's really great for this specific use case. So, again, more of those like mature kind of uh, enterprises that you that you might need all that information for towards the very end, almost as like a summary. Um, so yeah, that's been the feedback so far.
0: Q, one of the things that you've talked about a couple of times is to to Andy's point, like you you know those high level talk tracks, you know sort of the early questions, rooting it in the buyer and understand where you're kind of core differentiator is to the our, our main competitors here at Clue. But one of the things you do mention that you love to consume, use regularly is the competitive newsletter. Why?
1: Yeah, I'll share why I love the newsletter for sure. And also, Andy, to your other point, right? Like for more experienced sellers, it's important to know those those top level talk tracks. But really what we're looking for is the reinforcement of the point that you're trying to make, right? And when you're sending that document over to these buyers in a late stage deal, it's almost to reinforce all the differentiation that you've discussed and agreed upon with that prospective client, right? And that's really what those experienced sellers I think are looking for. Um, and that's when I'm going to battle cards, that's what I'm looking for. It's like, how do, I, how do I reinforce the differentiation that I've stated with my prospect on the call with different things like customer stories or um, case studies or, or anything of that nature. But the reason I like the newsletter so much is because as a more experienced seller, I've looked at this battle card a lot, right? I I know these talk tracks. I know what I can use to reinforce those points. So it's not often that I'm going to look at a battle card before every single deal. But what I do find a lot of value in is that weekly update that my CIA manager puts out. So we get this competitive Intel digest in our Slack channel and over email every Thursday morning. It's something that our sellers have just gotten used to getting. It's something that we look forward to. We know we're gonna get this every Thursday. And it's really valuable because it's often highlighting things that help me reinforce differentiation, right? So we may share winner-loss stories and the reasons why we want to deal and what other clients found valuable, which I can pick and pluck from and use to reinforce differentiation that I'm I'm making. Uh, Any recent news that's happened in this space, any acquisitions that I might not have previously known about, I want to be aware of those, right? If there were any leadership changes, I want to be aware of those. If we lost deals for any reason, I don't want to run into the same roadblocks that my colleagues are running into. So I want to be aware of all those things. So the newsletter is something that I personally get a lot of value from. And the one thing that I like about the Clue newsletter too, and I got to plug Clue a little bit here as well, is when you update something and you send that newsletter out, it's going to link back to whatever you updated as well. So for someone like me, who's not going back to that battle card every day, but if you tell me there's something new on that battle card, then I'll go back and look at it. So that's been a really great way to engage me to come back to that actual more still standing content rather than that continuous newsletter that goes out every Thursday as well.
0: Andy, have you been, have you seen that somewhere on your side with a competitive newsletter at all? Not,
2: not as much on the seller side. I mean, I get, actually I take that back probably a little bit on the, on the solutions engineer side. So some of the more technical sellers might be Mm. really interested in uh, like the more in-depth competitive um, updates that will, that will publish. So our newsletter is monthly and it's, it's usually pretty high level. And there are a couple of aspects to my newsletter. One of them is like just reporting, right? So how are we doing competitive win rate wise? And that's more for like um, sales leadership, like our CRO and some of the sales directors, all that kind of stuff. How often our competitors get being mentioned in chorus calls. And then beyond that, when it comes to like product updates, Um, that's more like for our product team that I've found has really like been digging into like those specific assets. Like, so when competitors like will release, um, different product updates in their release notes, you know, we'll like document some of the really interesting ones and we'll have conversations from that, uh, after the newsletter has been published. And so not really as much on like the, on the individual seller side, but you know, when typically like, this is just how ClickUp works. On, on like the business side, when com- when opportunities get more competitive and more technical, then that's when you loop in the solutions engineer. And so those are the people who are naturally a bit more tied to um, like what's going on in the competitive landscape. And they're in there. A lot of them are experts in, comp- in the competitive platforms as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's typically how it how it works over at ClickUp.
0: So that sort of opens this conversation to that you you mentioned at the top here, Andy, around when you're working on sort of enterprise, more strategic deals, it's more of a conversation too. It's not like here's, although you mentioned that kind of like piece of collateral, but it's not just that. And I think when we we think about a lot of competitive experts, I, I don't want to paint a broad brush here. And I don't want to say I don't think confidence is the word, but I think oftentimes people, especially when they're starting in compete, is there's a lack of visibility with sellers to get involved in something like deal support. What did you do in your career to sort of overcome that and build a partnership with sellers to open up these type of conversations, make this more of like a strategic partnership? And what does effective deal support look like for you today?
2: For me... I mean, it, it it's pretty. It was pretty similar between ZoomInfo and and ClickUp, uh, but really, like the partnership started out by going really out of my way to to help and to show that I can be helpful versus just like here, use all this stuff, like me just shoving a bunch of assets down your throat. Uh, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to have like real conversations, form real relationships with different sellers, trying to understand like their real pain points trying to understand like some of the minutia in some of their deals and the complexity because you know as product marketers right we're trying to in a lot of cases find different trends and patterns and trying to consolidate things into like one buyer persona one pain point and i think that's great when we're rolling out you know different assets and different programs like that's what you have to do but um, you also you, if you want to create really great relationships, you have to kind of put some of those like bigger overarching trends aside and just work with this very specific um, uh, situation and try to like meet the seller where they're at in that moment. And so it's probably not the most scalable thing that you can be doing, but like, this is just one of the things that I've found that that really works. You have to kind of put like the, is this scalable kind of question aside And you can, you just got to have a conversation with the seller and try to figure out what you can do to help. And then as you do that, as you go through those motions over, you know, a series of months, then, you know, you're going to build up a reputation of somebody who does care, who does want to help and is able to like, you know, create things to help you win. And so that's, that's kind of been my approach has been to really just kind of do that one to one work. Make sure that sellers do understand like the value of the work that you're that you're putting out and the assets that the program is building out,
0: and then it just kind of
2: naturally builds into this really great relationship that you have with your with your sales team and with your solutions engineers team.
0: You know, listening to you there, I, and I when you mentioned scalability. I'm sure there's listeners like I don't have the time for that. Like yeah, neither do I. I've already got all these other things. <laughs> I got all these ad hoc requests, but I also think the way you frame that is. And the things you've talked about before, so you build those foundations in place, those high level battle cards. Those here are the key differentiators. Those sort of assets that are self serve that help support a rep. That when they come in with those sort of questions, they're probably still going to ping Andy on Slack or, or or Teams, whatever channel you use. But you can just you can send them quickly that way. And that moment where you need to have that one on one support, because I don't think compete should just be like self serve. Let everyone. Grab the assets that they need. There, you're now providing yourself more time to spend on strategic deals, like you mentioned, supporting ones that are actually going to move the needle a bit more, rather than a lot of your time being spent with like here are our main competitors, here are our main differentiators. You have that in the bank because you've set up this strong foundation.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and I also think that, um, especially in the very beginning, like so, I've been at ClickUp a year now, so still pretty new. I've, I would say even if you've been, I I mean, I get that we all work in startups and stuff, but I would say I didn't fully get Zoom info until I was probably two years in, like fully, like really felt comfortable understanding all the nooks and crannies of what was going on, our main people who we helped, exactly how we helped them, exactly why it was better than another company. And so I'm still working through that process with ClickUp, albeit I think a little bit of a faster clip than than uh than zoom info but in either case like i'm not helping anybody by thinking that i have all the answers when i'm just like a few months into a role Mm -hmm. and so these one-to-one conversations that you have with sellers i i think that um a great way of like reframing that is just thinking like that this is these conversations are going to lead you to having more of an understanding of what competitive conversations typically look like then you can create, you know, from that refreshed mindset, you can create more relevant collateral that can help the next wave of sellers. And it's just kind of this like thing that helps, again, continue to build out a more robust program at the end of the day. And so it's not just like, hey, I'm helping you kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Like it's very much a, um, a symbiotic relationship.
0: totally q i want to get your take here i want you to tag in here as someone as a seller more experienced experienced seller um you you tag in our compete manager regularly on deal support can you walk me through what that looks like for you like working as a seller working with the person in compete
1: yeah you know what brandon was out on vacation last week and that hurt so i definitely i need i need our ci leader to help me in our deals but honestly I think one thing that I've learned selling at Clue for quite some time now is buyers like to hear from people who aren't in sales, right? So I could sit here and talk my face off about why we're better than another company, but it seems to be a lot more well-received when I bring in someone like Andy to speak from a more neutral ground of here's our differentiators, here's what we do well, here are the things that you might want to consider about these other platforms. Um, So like just getting other folks to come in and speak for you is really helpful and it doesn't always have to be your CI leader either, right? If I'm telling Gong, right? And I'm trying to sell it to somebody in sales operations, maybe bringing in our sales operations leader who uses Gong and actually has to work through it as almost a prospective buyer of their own platform to be able to speak to that with your prospective client. And then I will differentiate on top of the things that he or she is saying. So I think it's just really important to leverage all the resources you have in your hand. Buyers like to hear from different voices and it helps you establish cross trust and credibility with your prospective clients.
0: Can you walk me through what that a deal comes in and you're like, all right, I need to bring our compete manager in. What does that look like? What's the process? Is it you're bringing them straight onto the call? What does that internal prep? What does that internal back and forth look like? Because zooming out for our listeners here though, like I have any, I don't, okay, deal support sounds great, but how do I actually go about that? And obviously it will be case by case, but I think getting a little bit of, a window inside what happens, what actually happens in these conversations, and then what happens when it gets into the field, into a live call. I think that walking through that would be really valuable.
1: 100%. I might have a first demo with a prospective client. And on that first demo, I'm leveraging all those high-level talk tracks that my CI leader has put together just to get me through the conversation. If I'd built enough credibility and trust and, and shown the value of our product, We're gonna get more into the weeds on our next conversation. They're gonna come back with questions. They might go demo another product and have all these questions in their mind and are trying to piece this stuff all together. So in those situations, I think it's really helpful to have our CI leader come in, listen to the perspective that the prospect has after demoing a bunch of different solutions and then be able to speak to that. And the way I set up Brandon for success in those situations is always sending him an internal calendar invite So that he knows exactly who I'm speaking with, the problems that they shared with me, the other solutions that they're looking at, what he finds valuable or doesn't find valuable about ours and these other solutions. So that Brandon can walk into that conversation and not have to recreate the wheel, not ask repetitive questions, shows like he understands the buyer, their business, takes it seriously, and then can be really prescriptive about the differentiators that I think are going to be most valuable to that Actual client, so I'm I'm hopeful that that gives a little bit more insight into what that actually looks like.
2: That's slick. Yeah, the um, we do something kind of similar where um, in Salesforce you can submit like a form that's tied to our ClickUp instance, and uh, so in a competitive opportunity, a seller can just fill out a form that like requests competitive intel support, Um, and they have to go through like a few hoops. In order to in order to submit, it. so it's not so that's like kind of helps limit, you know. So I don't get like completely overwhelmed with requests. But you know, it's it's similar to like that calendar invite concept that you mentioned, Hugh. So like, um, it you'll talk to like the main three pain points that the the account is experiencing right now, who the competitor is that we're up against, whether it's like a head to head or if it's a rip and replace, who is going to be using it, like the specific use cases of what they're looking for with ClickUp. And, um, and then, so once I get that, you know, it comes in as a ClickUp task. I have like all that information here and it's kind of like a, I don't know if there's like a specific like game, like I'm trying to think of like a a specific like comparison to give, but it's like, you know, it gives you like the pieces to the puzzle and then like, okay, now here I am you study
1: for the exam kind of,
2: yeah. It gives you, it's like a story problem essentially where it's like, okay, like, Julie uh, has these three pain points, and she, uh, you know, is wanting to do this. Uh, why is ClickUp better than this competitor kind of a thing? And then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go into like the, the, you know, into the task, and try to come up with something that's going to help, you know, you have a few existing pieces that you might be able to use, right? So some data sheets like you have like different customer case stories or case studies excuse me and you have like the technical feature comparison but you might need some more stuff in addition to that and so that's like when you can plug in you can be like all right here are some things that i like i would use if i were you that i think might help push this deal across the finish line or at least might help julie better understand some of the differentiations that clickup has compared to whatever competitor that we're up against and so yeah, that's how we approach it. I love that.
0: It, it feels like it's just like this, you're, you're a sounding board to a degree, right? Like if someone cues in a deal, he's a he's got so many deals going on at once. There's a lot to be keeping track of, understanding. And it feels like when you talk there, Andy, and something I think you do really well is that you structure it almost. You organize their thinking in a way. You're providing, here's, here's where I'd plug in some like hard assets I can help you with. Here's a couple like suggestions on talking points or, how you should just be thinking about even approaching the conversation. It's not like do this, this, this is like, Oh, here's, we've seen this before. Here's how it looks. And again, mm. putting it into that context of like, if you're pipeline right now, you, there's a lot of tech companies under the crunch to close competitive deals. Those neck and neck deals that are just tipping on the edge with between you and a competitor and the deal support right now getting out of the, get out of just research mode and just shipping out content and hoping it gets used and actually jumping in there with a rep being hands-on. I feel like that that's the differentiator between good and great compete experts. I know it's something that Claire, like all has made her bones on is competitive deal support.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's something that it, you know, you already kind of painted the picture, but just like creating an asset, shipping it, hoping that it gets used versus being like, okay, I'm in the situation. I, They've submitted a form to me. So now kind of like balls in my court, right? I need to figure out, like, I got to give them something. And so if we don't have that thing, then, okay, that's a great excuse for me to be like, okay, well, we had this $20,000 deal that could use this specific asset. I'm sure other people would find this valuable, you know, there's been a a few times where I've created specific content, you know, it's customizable or excuse me, custom assets for a specific deal, but then been like, Oh, I could see maybe if I like just tweak, like some of the words here, like other people could use this too. And then you can just kind of, you know, create more evergreen content from something that was supposed to be very one-to-one. And so that's also been an approach
0: that, that I've used. I love that. Even the, the tagging, the kind of competitor, like the request as well. Like it's another way to demonstrate demand as well. If you're talking to execs and it's like, well, I'm getting X amount of requests. So clearly there's a demand from our Salesforce to understand how to better differentiate. Like even that's like a data point that you can pull from. I've loved this conversation. I'm going to go take a hard right here. We ready for some rapid fire questions to close out this conversation. All right. New segment. Ben, are you adding a lightning bolt sound here? Something, something snazzy for rapid fire, right? Let's go. Andy, if you woke up tomorrow with 10x the budget for compete, how would you spend it?
2: Oh my god, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, what the heck? How can I rapid fire that one? Um, I would I would hire more people. That's that's usually like yeah, I would definitely ha- have like a, I'd, I'd definitely hire a couple of people and it would be to help specifically with different departments, I think. So I would have like one kind of um, like win-loss expert, someone to like really uh, take the reins there, interview, some, this isn't super lightning, I'm sorry in advance, um, someone to take the reins on like interviewing, really like getting a ton of like of qualitative research Uh, and then I'd have somebody kind of be more on the product side. So really digging deeper into the technical aspects of what competitors are doing. And then somebody being like, like almost like an SE for compete, like handling the deals, like getting on the phone and really helping like the sales team. That's how I would do that. There you go. Boom. 10 X the budget.
0: Lightning. (laughs) Q, what's your biggest pet peeve when it comes to enablement, specifically as a seller being enabled by someone in compete?
1: Yeah, I would say the lack of context. If you give me a talking point to use in a conversation, I'll use it, but then I'm going to get questioned about it and I won't have any way to respond and I'm going to be winging it. So, I mean, any differentiation point, any talking point that a CI leader shares, I need context. Where did this come from? Why is it important? What can I actually say to reinforce this point? And what's something that I can show to my prospective client to, again, reinforce the point that I'm making around differentiation. There's nothing worse than a lack of context and competitive insight.
2: Same is true on the other side, too. So there's been a couple of times where, like, I've been asked, hey, so, like, how I'm up against so-and-so. Like, how are we better? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, who, who's using it? Like, what are, what are they trying to use it for? Like, how long have they been using? Like, how long have they been doing that? I don't know. Like, I have, like, a list of, like, four or five questions where I'm like, you got to give me a little bit more than that. Uh, but then, like once I get that stuff, I'm like, yeah, here's here's how I can help. But that's exactly why, like, when you submit the form in Salesforce for me, like I I require those those things because I can't I can't really help otherwise. So I'm with you, Q.
0: Context is key. Here's a question with zero context. What's a previously no, held assumption you had about compete when you started that's now changed, Andy?
2: That's now changed.
0: Oh, um.
2: This is and this is recent too. Um, just that battle cards um, that they. Ugh, I wish I had something super quippy. I'm sorry, <laughs> I I'm slow this morning. Um, I, I you know I've been super vocal about um, having really short and sweet battle cards. I still think that those are for the best, like ninety percent of the time. But I've really been starting to think about um, situations where you know to to the point of this of this podcast cast episode. Like, how can I help? Some of the more, you know, enterprise or strategic um, AEs, the ones who have been around for more, more than six months, like how can I really help them? And like by creating more in-depth battle cards, um, I think that that's definitely a, a good starting point. I just haven't completely solved that yet. That's something that I've been really thinking about, but I do see the need for something a bit more in-depth. Um, but you really like my thing is that you you got to get that part right because otherwise you know you're going to go into the territory of creating super overwhelming battle cards that nobody uses, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah that's that's what I would I
1: would say my answer is.
0: All right, Q, close it out. Same question for you.
1: Uh, honestly, the biggest misconception or the biggest assumption that I had about compete when I started was competitive intelligence is all about your competitors and it's all about that and you know what competitive intelligence is it's, it's important competitors are important and you should focus on that but it's more about your customer it's more about your own unique value propositions and differentiators and i think when you're in a competitive situation you don't want to speak about your competitors a lot you want to speak about your own solution and how you can uniquely solve their problems so competitive intelligence while it may seem like it's all about your competitors it's actually all about your customers
0: and that's a perfect note to close this out on gentlemen thank you again for joining me and we'll catch everyone next week